Have you heard the term people pleaser? Do you relate to that term? Or maybe you know someone who is. Now, a simple explanation of people pleasing is a people pleaser is someone who consistently seeks to please others, often at the expense of their own needs, desires, and boundaries. Some people will call themselves people pleasers, while others don't realize that this is what they have been doing most of their lives. People pleasing is a coping mechanism that we have learned growing up. So let's talk about some factors that contribute to being a people pleaser and then some steps that we can take to overcome it. Hi, I'm Brenda Reese, freedom and forgiveness coach and a person just like you that is learning to navigate life and all of its challenges. I teach a forgiveness process like no other. It's a blend of practical and spiritual forgiveness. This process guides you into knowing how unforgiveness can be keeping you stuck in your relationships, both personally and professionally, and how it prevents you from releasing resentment and finding joy. Each week, I share practical and some not-so-practical tips, tools, and advice from myself and other people that are on this journey just like us. This is for you if you are ready to turn your pain into peace. Welcome to the Forgive Yourself Podcast. As I said in the introduction, people-pleasing is a coping mechanism that we have learned growing up. Now, this isn't something that we are going to label as bad or good. This podcast is about learning more about ourselves and how we can accept and love ourselves just the way we are. So then we can choose if there are things we want to change. And so this is a way, this people-pleasing, this coping mechanism, we are going to just be curious about and find out more information to see what we want to do with it. People-pleasing is a big one for a lot of people, and it sure has been for me. I call myself a recovering people-pleaser. You know, after my divorce from my ex and after I was doing this forgiveness work, I remember my ex saying to me, wow, you are really standing up for yourself. You aren't such a doormat. Now, some people would have taken offense, yet I took it as a really high compliment because I had spent most of my life feeling like a doormat, not knowing it, of course, thinking that I was being of service and helpful to other people and really not realizing the toll it was taking on my own well-being. So let's talk about some factors that can contribute to someone becoming a people pleaser. The first one is desire for approval. People pleasers often have a strong desire for approval and validation of others. They feel like they get a sense of self-worth or self-esteem which is tied to how much others like them or praise them. Now, we learn this somewhere in our younger years, and a lot of the time, it isn't something that is necessarily said to us to do. It's something that we make up from an interaction with a family or maybe a certain individual. If our parents are angry a lot, we learn to be quiet and invisible and do all the right things so as not to cause waves, right, or to stand out. 
And growing up, we might have had controlling environments where we learned that being controlled is okay. So we get in relationships that have a controlling partner or a friend or a boss or a colleague. That's just to name a few. Mine was definitely controlling partners. Now, number two is the fear of rejection. A fear of rejection or abandonment can drive people to be people pleasers. Now, they may worry that if they don't constantly meet someone else's expectations, they're going to be rejected or disliked. Now, this can happen with people who have spent time in foster care or when adopted or being sent to live with other family members or boarding school or other places where they're not with their parents. This can also be from that controlling environment. Now, this is just to name a few. See what resonates with you. I've had clients where they were sent away to boarding school because they were considered a bad child. I've also had clients that have been adopted and feel like they have to be the good adult to get the love that they didn't receive in childhood. Again, that's only a few examples. What resonates for you? The number three factor is low self-esteem. People with low self-esteem may believe that their own needs and wants are not as important as those of others. They may prioritize others in an attempt to gain acceptance and feel better about themselves. Now, this has showed up in clients that have not been heard or acknowledged in their families. They feel like they do not have anything important to say or contribute. And the interesting thing is that most of the time they are very accomplished and successful adults. A lot of time in the helping industries as doctors, therapists, coaches, nurses, health professionals, and they do have important and heartfelt things to share, but they don't feel like they do. Number four factor is avoiding conflict. People pleasers often go to great lengths to avoid conflict or confrontation. They may say yes to requests even when they would rather say no to avoid potential disagreements. Now, does someone come to mind for you that you are constantly saying yes to avoid a confrontation or from making that person mad at you? Maybe it's a family member or a boss or a friend or maybe even a partner. I had a client that would always do things for her son, grown son, because she didn't want him to be mad at her. She knew that he was aware that she was really busy and did not have the ability to do all these things, but he kept pushing her buttons, having her feel guilty because she let him. She did that until doing the forgiveness work where she learned that she was worthy of taking care of herself and saying no, and that saying no didn't kill her. Like she was feeling like in her mind, that it would. It was that detrimental to her, which was a pattern from childhood where she got in trouble as a child. So that showed up in her adult life until she could identify the pattern and we could work through it so that she could now stand up for herself and know that she's worthy of that. Number five factor is overcommitment. A tendency to overcommit and take on more responsibilities than you can possibly handle is very common among people pleasers. They may struggle to say no when asked for help or favors. Now, have you ever agreed to do things when your schedule was full, right? Because you were afraid of the backlash 
or you didn't want to disappoint someone. I get that mostly that people don't want to disappoint someone, even though they are disappointing themselves, right? Because they're putting themselves in a position where they're tired and they, and they're overcommitted. So they start to feel a little resentful. So yeah, they get disappointed. I know I have had this feeling. You know, you can hear yourself saying, oh, yes, I can squeeze that in. Yikes. Number six factor is difficulty setting boundaries. People pleasers may have difficulty setting and enforcing personal boundaries. They may let others cross their boundaries without speaking up. Now I hear from clients the frustration that this causes them when they feel they are being taken advantage of. And they are because they aren't feeling and then expressing how they feel about what's being said or done. Now, the number seven factor is lack of awareness. Some people pleasers may not be fully aware of their own needs and desires because they are so focused on meeting the needs of others. My radar was so tuned in to my environment and the people in it that I didn't even know what I felt myself. I was that person that when you asked, where do you want to go to dinner? I'd say, well, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And even though you would say where you wanted to go and I didn't like it, I'd go anyway. It's crazy when I think about that now. Now, the factor number eight is cultural and family influences. Cultural and family factors can play a role in the development of people-pleasing behavior Some cultures or families place a strong emphasis on putting others' needs before one's own. Now, there have been several clients I've had the honor to coach from different cultures than mine, and there was a strong emphasis on women taking care of everyone else and not themselves. And through the work, the forgiveness work, they learned that how they felt mattered and they could have a voice. And what they shared with me was it felt very freeing for them. And remember that this can be done in a very honoring way for you and for the culture and for the family. Number nine is negative consequences. Despite the negative consequences, people pleasers often continue to prioritize others because they feel repercussions of asserting themselves. They're scared of asserting themselves. And they may feel guilty or anxious if they don't meet someone else's expectations. Now, this is kind of like the avoiding conflict, yet the guilt and anxiety that this brings up is so visceral that it can immobilize people. Now, learning where the fear comes from is a great start, and then taking steps towards honoring yourself can be very, very healing so that we can then take a look at easing that anxiety, which most of the time can come from our inner child and come from somewhere in our childhood something happened where we received or felt that there was going to be a negative consequence. And so really identifying where these come from can really start the healing process. Number 10 is perceived lack of control. People pleasers may believe that they have little control over their own lives and circumstances, which leads them to try to control the opinions and the feelings of others through pleasing behaviors. (laughs) Okay, raising my hand, this one was me. 
I was trying to find safety by thinking that I can control my environment and the people in it by making sure all their needs were met and taken care of. When actually, you know, there was no way that I could do that successfully. Everyone's needs and desires change, and I'm not a mind reader, and I was trying to interpret. And so I was constantly on edge. My body was always tense. I was feeling numb to my feelings, all because I wanted to feel safe, not knowing that the real feeling of safety wasn't going to come from outside of me. That's an inside job. Now, I also want to say about safety is, yes, there are environments that aren't safe. So I don't want you to feel like you need to think safety only comes from the inside. When we are in an environment that is not conducive to our well-being. So we want to be very careful about that. Now, it's important to note that while people-pleasing behaviors can be driven by a genuine desire to be helpful and kind, they can also lead to burnout, resentment, and really a loss of your own identity and needs. And that was me. I didn't know who I was or what I needed or wanted. My whole idea was based on someone else's dreams. I remember not even knowing when someone asked me about my dreams when I was married to my ex. And it was like, well, I could recite his, but not mine. So learning to strike a balance between meeting others' needs and taking care of one's own well-being is really important for personal growth and mental health. Now, also, I do want to say here that therapy or wellness coaching and self-help resources can be very valuable for individuals who want to, you know, address and change these people-pleasing tendencies. So let's talk about some steps that we can take to help us identify and to overcome people-pleasing. Now, as we go through these steps, I would like you to keep in mind that overcoming people-pleasing behavior can be a challenging process. But you know, it's so essential for your own well-being and personal growth. So let's talk about some steps you can take to overcome people-pleasing tendencies. So the first one is self-reflection and awareness. We really can't change what we don't know is there. So even though some people are tired of this word awareness, oh my goodness, we can't do anything in life without it. And then self-reflection is the only way that we're going to get to know ourselves. So take time to reflect on your own needs, desires, and values. What are your priorities in life? So we can then identify situations where you tend to people please, right? Are there specific people or contexts that trigger this behavior? I want to say with this that this takes some time and willingness to sit with yourself, which can be very challenging for someone who identifies right as a people pleaser. So I'm not saying this is easy, but this is something that I had to learn to do. So start with looking at what you do for others. When you can make a list of what you feel is important for others, that might be a clue for what is important to you. Do you not want them to feel lonely? Do you want them to be healthy? Is it important for them to have self-care time? Like, would you take help them out so that they can have self-care? 
Now, take a look and write down who those people are and what about them has you feeling like you need to help them. What is it that comes up for you? Guilt, right? That you want approval? And then the other thing that's really important is to know your values. So grab a values exercise from the internet. There's a lot of them. And see if you can identify what is important for you in your life. Because this will lay the roadmap for your own well-being. Number two is setting boundaries. Learn to establish and communicate your own personal boundaries. Now, it's okay to say no when something doesn't align with your values or priorities. That's why we need to know our values and our priorities first. And the way that we learn to set boundaries is it's important to find out what's important to you first, like what are our priorities like we just talked about. And then we can learn to practice assertiveness in a respectful and non-confrontational manner. When we know what's important to us, we can learn to practice it. We can set some boundaries, some simple ones. Practice saying, no, I'm not available. Or let me get back to you about that. Because that's non-confrontational. And it can be very scary at first. Yet the more we do it, the more that muscle gets stronger. So now number three is practice self-care. Okay, like we just talked about. This is actually where we can start. This might be a little simpler step. This is what I have clients do, is prioritizing self-care activities that really nourish their physical, emotional, and mental well-being. So as we're in this self-discovery phase, make a list of what activities you enjoy or you think you might enjoy. Then take one action towards it. We are just going to start with baby steps. And remember that taking care of yourself is very healthy. We cannot help anybody else to the capacity that we want to if we are not fed ourselves. It's that old adage, putting your oxygen mask on first. Society and culture and families will tell us that this is selfish. And even in our own brain, we're programmed to think it's selfish. And you know what? We're going to learn to say, yes, it is. It is selfish. And it's a very healthy selfish for me to do this. And it's very necessary for my overall health and well-being. Now, number four is learning to challenge our negative beliefs. Now, we can examine and challenge any negative beliefs we may hold about ourselves, such as the belief that you're only valuable when pleasing others. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to guide people in finding the hidden beliefs that keep them from taking care of themselves and feeling like they need outside approval to be loved. So when they connect these dots to how it all started, it's amazing the relief they feel and the ability to then replace these beliefs with more positive and empowering ones. Now, number five is learn to say no. It sounds easier than it is. When we practice saying no to requests or demands that we don't genuinely want to fulfill, it feels good to us if we allow ourselves to really feel in our bodies what that feels like. So we're going to start with small, low-stake situations and gradually work up to bigger ones. 
Now remember, we are taking baby steps. What would be something small for you to say no to? I know it's a stretch and probably makes your chest tight or your stomach ache. But maybe we can start with not returning a text or a call immediately. Okay, take a breath. It's going to be okay. Try it and see that everything is going to be okay. Oh, and you don't need to provide lengthy explanations when saying no. A polite but firm response can suffice. I know, sounds weird. So when you respond to that text or call, don't make excuses or explain anything. That was probably the most challenging thing for me to do. Not explain when I said no or set a boundary. It was crazy. And sometimes I get challenged about it. I still catch myself today, so it's a work in progress. So number six is seek support. Now this is important and who you choose is really important. Those of us that have people-pleasing tendencies have trained those around us so to say that we say yes and we overcommit. So when we seek support, we need to practice discernment so that we can choose people that have our well-being in mind. So maybe you have a friend or a family member that's been sharing with you, saying, "Um, I'm noticing you're saying yes too much. They're the ones that can be the safe one to go to and talk about wanting to change some of these habits and talk through an idea of how to start small. Now, if you do not have that friend or family member, then a coach or a therapist would be great to talk this through. And there's also support groups you can join. I know when I was uh, going through AA, I also went through Codependence Anonymous for a while, um, which was really helpful for me. And there's so many more out there. Another self-help book that I was given years ago when I was discovering, well, I didn't know I was a codependent, (laughs) people pleaser yet, but a book by Melody Beattie called Codependent No More was a lifesaver for me. In fact, (laughs) it was funny because I was still married to my ex and we were towards the end of our relationship. And I remember we were driving somewhere and I had the book with me. And I, I always, when I read, I always highlight, you know, he's, he made the comment to me. He said, maybe you should just highlight the things you don't resonate with because it looks like you're highlighting the whole book, (laughs) which I was. And oh my God, it started me on this journey of self-discovery that was awesome. So number seven is develop self-esteem. We can work on improving our self-esteem and self-worth. This helps us to recognize that our value as a person is not solely determined by others' opinions of us. So what I suggest doing for people is to create an accomplishment list, or you can call it whatever you like, success list, accomplishment list, and write down all the things that you have done in your life. They're all accomplishments. Graduating, taking extra classes, awards, having kids, getting out of relationships that were toxic or abusive, uh, new jobs, starting a business, you know, helping some people out, being available for yourself, self-care. 
it's an accomplishment. So not just all things that you are doing, but also being, I took time for me today, right? That's an accomplishment list. Because we want to celebrate these accomplishments. Neuroscience is showing us that our brain likes celebration. And the more we celebrate a win, then the more our brain will look for things that we can celebrate because we get that little hormone hit, right? We get a little, you know, cocktail that has our brain go, woohoo, let's do this again. So we want to do that on the celebratory path. You can also think of that high five habit, you know, that Mel wrote a book about, Mel Robbins. High five yourself in the mirror every morning or throughout the day. It's a game changer. Now, number eight is practice self-validation. When we can learn to validate ourselves rather than solely relying on external validation, we are then able to acknowledge our own feelings, needs, and achievements. Okay? So when we acknowledge these feelings, needs, and achievements, that helps us validate ourselves. So it's this, this infinity loop. Now, I want to say to this, um, talking to ourselves is natural. What we want to do is exchange, because we're talking to ourselves all the time, right? But it's usually that negative self-talk, right? And we're going to exchange that negative self-talk for positive. And we can do this by allowing our feelings, telling ourselves that our feelings are valid. Having needs, wants, and desires is normal and healthy. And it's okay to want something good for ourselves. We get to blow our own horn with our accomplishments and achievements. That's why that list is so important. Keep it handy so that when you are feeling more negative or starting to doubt yourself, read the list and high five yourself and say, way to go. And I also want to say here, this is a place to practice self-compassion. And treat yourself with the same kindness you would offer to a good friend. We hear this a lot, but I have a question for you. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? Because don't brush me off and say, yeah, yeah, I heard that already. Let's try it and see how you feel and let me know. Number nine is gradual progress. We want to understand that overcoming people-pleasing is a process. It may take some time. Be patient with yourself and celebrate those small victories along the way. And know that, you know, we're going to feel like we've had setbacks. We're going to feel like we're taking two steps forward and five steps back. But those don't have to define our progress. That's life. That's normal. So pat yourself on the back. High five yourself. Number 10 monitor your feelings. Now this, if you've been with me for a while, you know, feelings are really important. And to be able to pay attention to our emotional reactions in different situations. Are you feeling anxious, resentful, drained, happy, sad? You want to use these emotions or feelings as cues to examine your behavior. Taking a look at what we are feeling can be so informational. For instance, anger isn't necessarily a bad emotion or feeling. Anger gives us information. What it tells us is that something is out of alignment. Maybe a boundary is being crossed by someone 
or they're pushing on a boundary of yours, or maybe you've had it, right? Maybe you're not holding a boundary yourself for your own mind, body, and spirit. So anger is really good information. Also, sadness is a release for us. It's also information. We aren't meant to only be happy all the time. In fact, we wouldn't know happy without sadness. Have you watched the movie Inside Out? It's a Pixar movie. I highly recommend it. Yes, for adults. They did such a good job with the emotions and how we can't just be joyful all the time. We need each emotion as they work together to make us who we are. And they provide the release and the information and the balance to our bodies. There's a sequel coming out in 2024, which they're going to be adding even more emotions to. And the trailer looks great. So know that being able to monitor our feelings gives us the information to let us know where we are out of alignment, where we need more self-care, where I need to stand up for myself. Okay, where something isn't quite right. And also, the emotion can tell us when we're happy, right, and joyful. So it can work both ways. Number 11, practice empathy. Now, while we are working on setting boundaries and prioritizing your needs, practicing empathy and understanding towards yourself and others is a must. Now, you can be kind to other people without sacrificing your own well-being. This is probably one of the most important things we can do for ourselves. Practicing kindness towards us first really helps us to extend it to others without feeling resentment. As people pleasers, we can feel resentful if we're always empathizing for others and not ourselves. It's a teapot being poured out and not being filled back up. And another thing to think about is as people pleasers, we can interfere with other people's experiences and growth. Yeah, we do this by trying to do everything for everyone else. What are they learning? You know, I was told years ago from a therapist when I was still married to my ex, he told me that by taking care of my ex, I was not allowing him to have his experience that the universe or God wanted him to have. This was a big eye-opener for me. And you know, as a good people pleaser, yes, I I wanted to take care of others, but I also did not want to interrupt or interfere with somebody else's growth. So that really started to help me turn my thought around about people pleasing. Because by pleasing others too, I'm not only interfering maybe with their growth, but with mine also. Because Remember, that is kind of like a safety mechanism. That's something that I learned to do. We could call it a distraction from my own emotional well-being. And then number 12, focus on authentic relationships. So we hear this word authentic. And what I want to say about this is, This is kind of our real self, right? So we want to seek relationships where we can be our real self, 
where our needs and boundaries are respected, where we can surround ourselves with supportive and understanding individuals. As we learn who we are without relying on external validation, as we've learned to do, we get to know ourselves better. And that's how we find our real self or our authentic self. The one that doesn't have to wear masks or depend upon others to tell us who we are. That part of us knows who we are. We get to learn to trust that we know who we are and that we can find the strength within that trust to stand in our own power. Sharing how we truly feel with love, of course, you know, and consideration, yet with our truth, not just to please others. We can be considerate of others' people's feelings while telling our truth. It's a practice that we might not get right at first, yet we all know that the pendulum swings, right? It just does swing. And we will be able to find our equilibrium as we become willing to be willing to know ourselves and accept ourselves and share that person, that authentic, that real self with the world. Now, oh, I want to add a number 13, because this is super important, is get curious enough about your reactions or responses to life and relationships. Now, what I mean by this is that our people-pleasing was learned as a coping mechanism in our younger years, wanting to be loved and validated. So take a look at what else is showing up in your life to see what other beliefs might be hidden. Bring in that energy of curiosity. If you've been bullied as an adult, say, where did that first show up in childhood? Was it your parents, siblings, teachers, kids at school? If you cry easily at being reprimanded or take things really personally, when did that happen to you before? Right? Take a look at your childhood. You can also do what I find to be very helpful is a relationship timeline. You can see if you do a relationship timeline, meaning kind of list out your relationships throughout your life with uh, significant people, like friends, people that stand out in your mind, you can then write down that person, what you felt from them. Was it good? Not good. You know what happened and your feelings. And then you can circle where those similarities are. Now, how far back can you go when you think about the same types of situation? And what's really key is that listing out where are the same feelings? And how far back do these people go? As we come to the end of our time today, I want you to remember, please, that overcoming people-pleasing is a journey. And it's okay to seek professional help if you find it challenging to make progress on your own. A therapist or a coach can provide personalized guidance. It, they can. And strategies for addressing this behavior and that underlying cause. We have to allow ourselves to sit in the discomfort of others. To be true to our own selves. That's a part of life. I'm going to repeat that. We have to allow ourselves to sit in the discomfort of others to be true to our own selves. Because what we want to be able to do is turn up our own voice that comes from our heart 
so it is louder than the voices from others or the ones in our own head. I am so happy that you are with me today. I loved our time together and I look forward to the next time. So take care and we'll be together soon. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, would you do me a favor and share this episode and then follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss one episode of the Forgive Yourself podcast, where every Friday you will get tips, tools, and stories so that you can turn your pain into peace. Take care. Thank you.